All right, three, two, one. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm here. I'm happy. You are here. I'm very happy. Who are you? I am Madison Brunaler, and I play Narcissa Malfoy. Narcissa. The greatest and most wonderful of all witches. We actually already knew who you were because if we didn't know who you were, it would have freaked us out. <laughs> I just am here. If you are, like, I just walk in and like, hi, I'm going to be in your podcast now, and you have to deal with it. Yeah, no. got, we got to figure. You just got to roll with it. Yeah, just, roll with it. You are a total stranger. Nice just to meet yes you, total and. stranger. I don't even want to know your name. Let's just, I'm just that interested. Let's figure it out. It's Jeopardy. <laughs> voice at, uh, YouTube voice actors for 100, please, Alex. Oh. <laughs> All right, welcome to uh, Great, uh, Great Wizarding War Talks Back, episode six. We are talking about episode six, um, and some some pretty kooky stuff happened in this episode. It's a quite a bit of character development. Yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's such a dark episode that I love that we're calling it kooky. <laughs> it's yep. a kooky. You know, just 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 some you know just some, some wackiness. shenanigans. The darker the wacky wizard stuff <laughs> happening. The here. darker it is, the co- the uh, the funner the uh, adjective. Yes. So, like, and also the more fun that we have while recording. Oh, you know it. those zany death eaters. <laughs> Man, when we get to the we final episode, everything's going to be so full of kittens and babies <laughs> and happiness and cupcakes. I mean, they're so all happy. they're all dying, but they're there. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> fine. You know, they're just killing people. And there's cupcakes somewhere. Yeah, in the world. It's, 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 Definitely in the wizarding world, there's cupcakes somewhere. They're not central to the plot, but I'm sure they're somewhere. Hagrid somewhere is making really bad cupcakes. <laughs> yes. So, Madison, yes. tell us, I don't even remember anymore, so I want you to tell me how we met. Oh, let this is, this is, a, do you want the long story or a short story? I want the medium story. Yeah, okay. Because we, you, you've been like, you joined us officially for this, but yes. you've almost felt like you've been with our groups for a long I, time I've, now. I've, I've been following you guys for a while, because I was one of the original backers for the Sever Snape and the Marauders Kickstarter campaign. And that when is that a happened, while ago. It was a while ago. <laughs> but when it happened, I was like, oh, man, I want to be a part of this. Shoot, casting's already done. Well, I'll give them money instead. And then <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day I can bribe my way in. Um, and then just as, as I followed the story, as everything that happened, I ended up becoming friends with a lot of you guys on Facebook. And then I got invited to the premiere in Hollywood for it. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to that. And then I actually got to meet all of you officially. Oh, that's, that's when we officially ha- that's met at the premiere. That's when we officially met. I think I made all a right. video for it on my YouTube channel. We were oh, yeah, in such nice video. suits yeah. and everything, too. Yeah, it was like, it was fun. It was good. Um, and then when you announced Wizarding War, I was like, I have to at least audition for this. Yes. And then I auditioned like six times for different <laughs> roles. I was just like, I don't even care. I don't even care. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to be just putting my name out there at least. I right. did the thing I couldn't do for uh, Severus Snape and the Marauders, and right. I actually was able to audition. And yes. as soon as her second check cleared, she was in. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, 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 totally. Let me, do- let me double check. Yeah, she's still on the Patreon, so we're good there. Good, we can cancel those replacements. All right, anyway, oh, go on. Good. Oh, excellent, yeah. Yeah, so then uh, I didn't get in for the first round of casting, but I auditioned for like four people. And then the second round of casting happened, and I saw it for uh, Narcissa, and I was like, oh, I would love to play Narcissa. Yeah, there's She's only... so awesome, and a, so underappreciated. There was only a couple of people that I was considering for uh, Narcissa, and it was you and one other person, and yeah. that other person didn't even respond when I said, would you like to audition? So I was like... <laughs> well, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> good, because I wanted it. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Narcissa. Um, 
So we're she's kind of like this. Uh, this is the, we've we've just introduced her. Yeah. Like she starts talking to Lucius. Are, are you implying that there's going to be more of her? Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. We're not just going to drop character arcs like that. We're not American Horror Story. Oh, we're good. Move to the Shots end fired. of a character's arc. Oof. I don't know why I just got angry. At American gotta need Horror some ice for that burn. <laughs> well, I'm excited because I want to play Narcissa all the time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, but what kind of was like your, every actor has a process and it's always super interesting for me to hear actors processes. Cause I have a, an idea of what uh, the motivations are for a particular character and they go do their thing. And I'm like, that's not a great, it's in line with what I was thinking. And then they tell me what they were thinking. I'm like, that's, that was totally different than what I was thinking, but it still worked. Yeah. So what was your kind of process for oh, figuring this. her out? Um, so we know so little about Narcissa. She has very little actual screen time in both the books and the movies. So it was like, we have this one pinnacle scene from her where she lies to Voldemort and says that Harry is dead. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of so pivotal for what I think her character is because she is terrified at this point of Voldemort. Right. But she is willing to lie to his face for the possibility of saving her son. So she is willing to die to save her son. And that is kind of so interesting to me because it's like she will do anything for her son. She has that mother instinct, that thing that drives a mother to protect. So it's really interesting to then go back before she's a mother and be like, okay, what is she about? And what I found was there is nothing in her life right now that she cannot replace. Like... If she loses her money, she can find a way to get it back. If she loses her status, she can connive her way back. If she loses Lucius, as much as she loves Lucius, and she does, she could find another wealthy, pure-blood husband to marry. There is nothing that is not irreplaceable in her life right now. Hmm. So she is wanting kind of everything. She wants status. She wants wealth. She wants power. And Voldemort and being connected to Voldemort allows her, at least she thinks, to get that status. Mm. And she's not actually a death eater. Okay. So she's doing the, oh, I'm going to do the politician kind of way. Right. And go up to the uh, ministry level and get that status. While also my husband is maybe greasing the palms of the right people in the darker side. So what do you think about the, uh, let, let's assume that she's only been married uh, two or three years to, yeah. to, to, and she's now Malfoy. What do you think she, uh, her thoughts on are regarding being a Malfoy versus uh, having her responsibilities as a little strange, especially considering their reputation in the wizarding world? Well, I believe she was originally a black. Black, sorry. Yeah. Um, I lost my geek card again. <laughs> Gotta we'll go edit that back. out. Yes. You know how you get it back? You read all seven books. Yeah, that's it. And then you listen to in one Severus sitting. Snape and the Rodders. <laughs> Do it. Um, I think being a Malfoy gives her more poise. Mm. Because the Malfoy name comes with a lot more status and respect than the black name Hmm. because the blacks while they do have a lot of money and they are purebloods and they do have status it's kind of a little bit more of the crazy kind of status okay like we tend to go a little bit overboard the malfoys are way higher up it's like the difference between uh being married being uh the child of a duke and being married to one of the princes of england it comes with a lot more status and respect. I don't even know if the Lestranges or the Blacks deserve Duke status. Um, the Lestranges, for, for... the Blacks maybe, but um, let's be honest, the Lestranges are in some bayou in Alabama. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it, so. but it, it does lead us to you know something we were we were talking a lot about as far as the uh, the the arc of these characters and the different people that were 
willing to join the Death Eaters. You know, it's yeah. it's very easy for a sort of powerful fascist sort of figurehead to get people who are of lower income, of lower status to join them because you can promise a lot to them. They're in some sort of desperation. They're just like, oh, well, I'm in squalor now. They've told me who's to blame for that. And if I join you, I'm going to come out of this in a very high position. But somebody like Narcissa or, you know, the Malfoy family, the Lestranges, they're already in high points of power. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, so what, 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 what was it in your opinion, if you were kind of to kind of imagine, you know, this war is arising, what made you choose to be on this side of it versus being with the order? What, what was it about Voldemort's rise that it's just like, this is the winning team. I can get more out of this than if I were to work against this incoming insurgency. Well, most of them are Slytherins and the main aspect of a Slytherin is ambition. And most Slytherins do kind of go after what they want and tend to get it. Not always, but a lot of the time. So A, I think she knows a lot of these people from her time at Hogwarts. And so she has a lot more connections with these people and knows that when they go for an objective, they tend to get it. Not always, but a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And she's seen, I'm not sure. No, she, was, she wasn't at Hogwarts at the same time as Tom Riddle. No, definitely no. not. But she has seen him in action and get things done. Of course. So she's like, this is the winning team. I, I bet on the winning team. And She's betting enough to let him use your house. I, yeah. Well, yeah. your husband's house, yeah, but you know. same thing. She invited them there. She did. So um, let's kind of go down like with what we've seen in this episode. Mick, what do you think is going on in Snape's mind when it comes to the training, when it comes to Lucius having a hard time with it, and what, is you th- what do you think is overall like Snape's feeling about him belonging to the Death Eaters, whether he, they think he belongs or does he think he, be- he belongs there? What, what do you think is going on through uh, Snape's mind right now? And then tell us what goes through Peeves' mind, because that performance was fantastic. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, Severus in this episode, um, you know, just what I was talking to you earlier as far as why somebody would join Voldemort in the first place. Um, Snape being left where he is at the end of uh, uh, Snape and the Marauders at this point and kind of losing everything and Voldemort being able to, you know, bring him up a bit and stroke his ego with knowing that Snape is very powerful, very skilled, a great duelist, a great, you know, great at potions. Basically, you know, kind of reminding him of all of his strengths, building mm-hmm. up his ego about his own personal skills. Right. So he gets invited into this. He gets invited by, you know, by, uh, by Voldemort into this and, 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 you know, gets taken under wing by Luce, um, by, uh, Luther, Luthor. Luther. And, um, th- that is not something that anyone else in this group agreed with initially. You know, sure. they, 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 you know, Snape wasn't in some position of high respect amongst a lot of these blue bloods and even amongst like, you know, the Caros and other people who are involved in this. Mm-hmm. So he's of a lower tier. He's coming into this. They're imagining that Snape's just going to be a footman. So him standing on the sidelines after basically the only reason he's here in the first place is because he feels valued and seeing somebody else do something that he knows he can do better than this. He's standing on the sidelines watching this blue blood 
uh, you know, the, uh, Lucius, you know, young, young Lucius Malfoy take over and train people. It's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, and, you know, a lot of us. He just sucks. Yeah, he sucks. It's like, I am better it's like, and it's driving me nuts. And we all have moments like that. You know, you, you know, we'll have moments watching somebody do something that we know we can do better and it's watching like, them fail at so it. So a like, film set. Yeah, or watching <laughs> yeah. watching your parents sets. trying to use yeah. technology on film sets for you know it's like you know or or even watching TV watching game shows where it's like you know the answer to something mm-hmm. and somebody just can't get it. Right. So Snape is on the sidelines, so frustrated because he's he's on a lower tier that he's been put at by all these other people who aren't at the top, and he's watching Lucius fail. So once he's put in that position of just like frustratingly, it's like no. This is the way you do it. This is the way you hold your wand. This is the way you launch, you know, launch your curses and hexes. Right. And it working, it causes this major shift because at the end of the day, all everyone else cares about is whoever's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that power dynamic at the beginning of everyone immediately willing to jump over to it's just like oh well Severus knows how to do it we're gonna follow Severus right is a major blow to Lucius's ego and a major rise up of Snape's it's like yes this is why I'm here listen to me and you'll do it right right yeah. and you know that immediately causes them to to bump heads because he's he's a peasant in comparison to how Lucius views himself and it's such an offensive thing for Lucius to have Snape of all people of, of, of his standing come into this and take over. Yeah. I, I, I love the scene between uh, Narcissa and Lucius right afterwards where she has to like calm him down. Yeah. I just, I thought that that was, that was such a fun scene to do. Mm-hmm. And I love how intimate it felt. Even though we well, were on was, like opposite sides of the room. Yeah. I mean, they, he, he walks up to her like when she's in the staircase and, yeah. um, and uh, basically, that the idea for that is that not only did I wanted to show that Lucius or Narcissa can temper Lucius, mm-hmm. but also they have an intimate relationship, and he respects her and loves her and cares about her, and vice versa. I so, feel like she really stabilizes him at the points where he's like, "I wish you were coming with me." Right? Yeah, because you know he feels that she's on top of her game more than he is at least at that moment yeah um, we, we, we talked a lot about Narcissa when we were first kind of discussing bringing her into the fold and the mm-hmm. fact that there's despite the fact that Lucius is obviously featured a lot more heavily in the books and films everything with Narcissa gives the impression that she is a lot more stable and in control of situations and right. one, of the, one of the biggest things with Snape's arc and what what kind of pushed him forward is the unbreakable vow that he makes with Narcissa yeah. yeah, and that is a heavy thing for mm-hmm. somebody to agree to do. And we're gonna kind of sl- slightly emotionally have an understanding why they trust each other enough to do <gasps> yeah. that. Oh, I'm looking forward to playing La- that later on in the series. Yeah, because yeah. we we can't avoid we we can't avoid that because yeah. that is it's it's not really touched upon, but it is such an important part of how the books end up playing out towards the end. Yeah. that's right. And with uh, Narcissa's kind of dealing with a lot of kind of crazy-ish people in her family. Like right. her sister Bellatrix is just like, she knows how to kind of stabilize people to a point. Sure. So <laughs> when it comes to, uh, uh, the next scene was, is James is at his house and he's like 
basically cleaning up what the mess he made from his, you know, like his, his lash out of his parent, realizing his parents have a terminal illness, um, and committing to taking care of them. Yeah. Uh, Siri shows up and says, Hey man, let's get the band back together. And James is like, nah, I'm, I'm, I gotta do this. And he won't say why. So, um, I'm just kind of curious as to what you guys are thinking is going through everyone's heads as far as James and Sirius. Well, I, I feel like Sirius is trying to hold everyone together desperately. Hmm. Like he's not wanting to be alone. He's like, come to my flat, stay with me here. I'll help you. Let's go get Peter back first. And then we'll go and get, you know, we're going to bring everybody back together. I don't want to be alone. You mean serious? Yeah, serious. Okay. James is kind of like, I don't know where to stand anymore. Mm. I lost the fight. I lost my girl. My dad is dying. I threw a tantrum. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but we, what, we, what we see from, from Sirius uh, and, and his character, and a lot of this has to do with him to, you know, being an ask man for a long time you know, after this, but he never grows up. Yeah. Sirius is, is the perpetual... Uh, irresponsible, like carefree teenager. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the crazy uncle in the leather jacket, yeah. essentially. Right. And at this point, he's imagining, you know, that they're all still going to be buds and they're all still going to get into trouble and just be wild guys. And now that they're out of school, he's not seeing it as growing up. He's seeing it as like, now we have a lot more time to be buddies and hang out. Right. And when he finally sees James again, this is James... You know, getting that big news from his parents of realizing, I got to grow up now. Yeah. Yeah. I have to take responsibility and grow up. And I think Sirius is is a little bit shaken by this because, you know, the Marauders were all together, but the partnership between Sirius and James was just like, we're always on the same page here. Yeah. Right. And now they're not. So right. Sirius is like, no, we're 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 got to get the gang back together and then go be the Marauders. <laughs> Except we have all this time to be the Marauders now. Yeah. We get to go to war we have and no be the teachers. Marauders. No teachers. No rules. We're crazy. And yeah. James is like, no, that's it's, it's different now. Yeah. Like yeah. things have changed. There's there's been you know there's there's been some stuff that's come up. And I certainly think that certainly at the beginning of Severus Snape and the Marauders, James was also thinking that. And yeah. Then, it was, and then Snape royally handed it to him yeah, and he's like oh wait we can't do this that revelation that 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 is that his parents dropped on him changes everything yeah you yep. know it's it's de- you know it's it's an impending death of his parents that he's very very close with yeah and that hits him hard you know we saw his breakdown i mean that breakdown that literally intense. broke down physically everything around him yeah so when we see him piecing everything back together I mean, you can take that as the metaphor that it is, that he's li- he's not only piecing back together, together the house, he's putting himself back together at that yeah. point, piece by piece. That's right. I mean, that scene is so intense because we hardly ever see any character do wandless magic that intensely. Well, I always notice that in it's, if, if it's in a grave situation, like life-threatening or overly emotional, the wandless magic comes through. Yeah. You know, with Harry, like his hair is cut and there's a little baby, so it grows back. With Neville as a baby, he's dropped out of a house and he bounces. Yeah. With Voldemort a in a fight, when he watches Bellatrix get killed, he just explodes. Yeah. Um, things like that. So uh, it's there's always wandless magic at these very specific moments. And I'm like, this is probably the, the most heartbreaking and anger-inducing thing that James could ever hear or see. Yeah. And to me, that's enough for an explosion. Yeah, and we see And we see a bit of that with the Obscuras, too, as the, that, yes. that, that recent development of yeah. just, you know, what happens when something is repressed. And too yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. When you're repressed way too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So um, we get after that we get to uh, uh, Snape and Luther going to London Natural History Museum, and I wanted to have a, a, a I wanted to tell you guys I got a quick. Uh, it's not a deleted scene, but it was originally written and stayed in this in the draft uh, the script for a long time before I was eventually outvoted by both Mick and Garrett and a lot of other people to not have this scene in there. But I wanted to real quick mention Trying to remember it. what it was, actually. Yeah, so Luther is um, uh, about to get the plant, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or talking about the plant. And then he basically says, Snape, you handle this. I'm going to, I'm going to cause, start a distraction. So then he starts reciting uh, lines from Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on. It's too much. It was way too much. It was too, way much. too much. I what, could what, think what that would have been really funny. It would have been then really... Then f- we're, we're officially getting into wacky, zany territory. Well, that's yes. what I was trying to do, is like have this have a bit of wackiness and show that this guy has this has this wicked, weird sense of humor, uh, and then a scene later, he kills someone. Right. Creates a massive contrast. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, rightfully, it was too much. Too much yeah. of a contrast. So that's fine. But I just wanted to, like... Talk about that real quick about that. That would have been epic. About that fun idea where he's he's moving around doing silly walks, talking about how he's going to hit people with fish. Yeah, just just tell, yeah, just uh, it it was it was just like what the catch? Yeah, yeah I, can see, I can see how that would be a little like separating yeah. there. It, it's it's a, it's a fun dynamic now because I have uh, I have a co-writer and I have Mick as the producer who basically looks over and he'll basically say, hey, we need to add more of this. Yeah. You don't have enough of that. Or this is too much or I'm not sure how I feel about that and here's why. Yeah. So now I have like, it's, it's, it's like, what do they call it? A brain trust uh, that where, where we all work together and come up with these different things. And that's one of the things that I got lost on the, on the, on the, on the writing table. But, um, what do you think uh, went through Snape's mind the moment he saw Luther kill a guy? I, I don't, you know, I don't think war really hits you until you see the real death repercussions of it in front of you. Mm. Like it is, it is easy to talk about an ideal, talk about doing something, training for something. But when you see someone killed in front of you for the first time, like that and realizing that even though you didn't pull the trigger, yeah. you didn't you didn't flick the wand and say the words, you're an accessory. And mm. because Snape was part of this plot and he's the one who got caught stealing the plants and because of it went in this direction where they were in the security room, he may not have been the one to decide to kill this guy. Yeah. But he feels that he's now part of this. He's, he's in deep now. He is now an accessory to this man's death. Hmm. And him be, you know, Luthor being a teacher that he didn't realize was a death eater until, you know, he showed up. That's a lot to see somebody that you respect and have this, this affinity for and have this bond with so flippantly and quickly kill somebody. And the delivery afterwards of Luthor immediately is saying, it's just like, I told you I'm not fond of being called a professor. And, just seeing how sociopathic he, he he did it without any empathy for it. Right, like there there was there there was there was uh there was it, it was a it was a strictly in Luthor's mind a logical non emotional decision to kill this person who was not actually physically threatening them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a battle. It wasn't a duel. It wasn't a. It was. It's he. You know him or me. It was like no. Logistically speaking, he knows too much. He now has to die. Right. And 
even in the battle sequences that they were in, they're just like, he would understand if somebody, you know, somebody got killed on the other side, if they have a wand out and they're also launching spells. But right. to be in a small room with this person that isn't appointing a wand at them and to immediately just kill him, that was a lot to take. And, yeah. and I think by the, by the time they get back to the house afterwards, Snape is really comprehending just how deep he is now. Right. Yeah. Okay. There, it's almost like there's no turning back from him now. Hmm. Which is kind of interesting thinking along that line, knowing his story and what he does when Lily is suddenly put in danger because of his actions. It is kind of interesting to think with that. Yeah, because oh, you, you mean know, later on? Yeah, later on. Gotcha. Yeah, a lot. You know, because a lot of us, a lot of us get frustrated, and we have these thoughts of just like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But when it comes to like the intensity of it of seeing it happen in front of you, it changes. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't act out on any violent impulses we have unless we are a violent or sociopathic person. Yeah. Sure. And other than uh, you know, other than Snape killing you know killing Dumbledore due to you know, everything that transpired there, you know, it's not like he was one of the Death Eaters out killing people. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't out taking people out. He wasn't one of the aggressors on the front lines. Right. Yeah. So this is new to him. This yeah. Is, this is a new thing for him to see happen before his eyes. Awesome. Yeah. Now we have to get to uh, the most important part of the episode, of course. Uh, is when James goes to Hogwarts, and, you know, kind of acting out after uh, his father said, you know, James, uh, Hogwarts takes a little bit of our youth with it, which made him want to go to Hogwarts and feel his youth again mm-hmm. for a second. And then he runs into Peeves. <laughs> <laughs> he runs into Peeves. Brilliantly voice acted. So that was a fun... That was a fun moment. No, when uh, when when when, Je- when Justin said he was bringing Peeves in and that he's like, no, you're doing it, you're doing Peeves. I'm just like, oh, good, because because the, the thing is, is like, you know, I'm I'm always worried about like, you know, what characters I'm playing, whether or not they sound too much alike, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a separate world for me to play a character like Peeves that is so removed from playing Snape. Yeah, and. You know, I, I brought this up a couple times as far as like, you know, we're talking about inspiration for Peeves and everything. Yeah. Like, while, while it wasn't direct, uh, the thing I always think about with Peeves and, and like, you know, this footage exists in some, uh, you know, Indiana Jones-like storage facility somewhere. Yeah. But th- Peeves was shot for the first Harry Potter film. I yep. need was, to find that he was cat- You, you won't. won't. Oh, no! He was shot for the first Harry Potter film. And he was performed by Rick Mayow, who was Drop Dead Fred and The Young Ones, one of the greatest oh. British comedians ever. David Tennant's source of inspiration for everything David Tennant does. Wow. Rick Mayow is like one of the funniest British comedians ever. And they cut him out? So here's the thing. So he was so funny on set, so outrageously hilarious that they couldn't get a take without the kids cracking up. Yeah. And they tried everything. They put him on the other side of the room. They tried everything. And he was too funny. He was too good at playing this like outrageous poltergeist. You're yeah. overqualified. We, we can't <laughs> hire you. Like, yeah, it's just that was that was that was worst. essentially what it was. But it, it also shows their original direction for it. Is the fact they had John Cleese and Rick Mayow playing these ghosts in, in mm-hmm. Hogwarts, yeah. which is an okay. outrageous combination. Yeah. Um, but you know the the 
the the the fact that 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 they shot that and just like okay i would love to go in that similar unhinged psychotic crazy comedic direction yeah Yeah. for the brief time that he's on there and you had some fun on that day oh yeah (laughs) i was like everyone get your phones out what is he doing right now yeah i just i just i i went off and i i had i had so much fun like playing him i love what jordan did with the sound effects for it because Uh we recorded a lot of like sort of just me you know, like laughing maniacally and like doing all these sort of sounds and stuff because we just get, wanted to give the impression when you're in the room that he's like, he's buzzing around. Buzzing around, yeah. yeah. Like he's popping into different creates, places. Creates a three-dimensional space. Yes. Uh, and, and just, you know, just, just having a ball. And, you know, I, I think that uh, Peeves was a bit irritated with, with, with James in different ways for mm-hmm. like simultaneously... Uh, seeing James grow up and mature a bit and not being the sort of troublemaker he is, is just like, no, you're here to cause trouble. You're not here to like fix things and everything like yeah. that. You're yeah. going to mess things up with me. And then gets pissed that like, he's like looking at James is like, who the hell are you? You're, you're, you're James Potter. What do you mean? You're not here to like mess things up and like be a source of chaos here. So, you know, he, he taunts James and he causes like, you know, this, this, you know, this, you know, these mishaps. But when he gets the impression that like James is irritated from seeing him, he's just like, Oh, he's going to mess up what I'm trying to do here and everything. Mm -hmm. I think Peeves gets frustrated. He's just like, you were so you were like my favorite. You were supposed to be you're supposed to be the one who's like a continuous cause of chaos and destruction. And now you're like all grown up and responsible. And like it's interesting. It's now. interesting that you you see that point of view. I saw the point of view because I needed a a plot point for Peeves to mention the map, and uh, I, I I wrote that he's not so tough without your stupid map. And because it made me think. Uh, because there's a, a little piece in the map that says Peeves lurks here, at least in the movie version. Um, obviously, the book version has no visuals. Um, but the I, movie has no Peeves. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it always made me think that um, they had that map had a magical property to know where and where Peeves was, and that they c- the Marauders could do something about him. So uh, there are only a few people in the school who could best Peeves and do something about him. One is Dumbledore, and the other, I thought, would, would have been fun would be the Marauders. Yeah. Because um, they, you know... And they the Bloody s- Baron. And the Bloody Baron, right. Yeah. Yeah, but he was... But, like, I felt that he harbored a resentment toward the Marauders because he was the only one who was able to ruin his fun. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I saw it. But yeah. it, it was just an emotional motivation to, like, I gotta, sh- I gotta have a reason to bring up, for someone to bring up the map. Yeah, because, yeah. of course, you know, we haven't gotten into the map yet. No. Yeah. We will. Although, I am so glad I was not on the mic when you started doing the Peeves voice, because I didn't know you were going to do that. And I literally, I was, I was in the, the, uh, the sound recording studio, so I wasn't on the mic, you couldn't hear me, and I went, whoa! Because I was, I was not expecting that to come out of you. I was like, he's so good. No, I mean, there's, there's, different, there's different categories and registers that, you know, you understand, just like, you have your, you have your, like, your, your, your collection of like villainous voices where you're going in like you know a certain register for that you're into you know protagonist antagonist and you just have like a collection of like just insane voices yeah yep. of course those are the fun and, ones yeah and and they're also just like you also know that like these are ones that you that that work in your register that you don't have to force you can actually get some different emotion out of it yeah because you, you know how it, you know you know how it is where yeah. it's like there's voices you can do for like brief periods of time mm-hmm. you can't be conversational in that yeah because, yeah because it's just like you're they're so out there outside your register enough that you can't get a natural performance. Out yeah. Of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but you know that that is like 
a type of voice that I've 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 done for animated things before where I'm just like this is one that if he has a long monologue or something like that can I can find it. I can sustain and find yeah. levels with Peeve's voice at that point yeah that you know I can I can kind of play with right so much fun yeah although nothing nothing beats the, the audition for Mrs. Norris a couple episodes ago <sighs> That I just was, finished editing episode oh. seven, and I just it, it has it has our our, our mystery uh, actor playing P, uh, Mrs. Norris, and was, every was time I was like day. listening to it, I was like, oh my god, this yeah, is we'll uh, we'll 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 almost definitely behind, have behind the scenes footage yes. from the audition process for that. That was just I think it was so the, much fun. literally the only char- like the the only character that had as much excitement for everyone wanting the role <laughs> next to Dobby. Yes. Yeah. And I remember doing the Dobby thing too, just going around the room and being like, let's see who does Dobby the best, <laughs> which of course was Zach. Yeah, so. yeah of, of course. course. Of course. Yes, of course. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much for hanging. Absolutely. Uh, and just a message to everybody since this will be out, you know, we're, we're working on episode seven right now, yep. you know, where the, you know, everything's, you know, Life, uh, life but, comes at you fast. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it's life first with this project, so yeah. it does take longer. But we are working on it. Actually, I finished editing episode seven today, so I'll be and I'm uploading all ten gigabytes of sound to the internet for Jordan to grab and start mixing. And this is going to be an intense episode, at least as far as like it's going to be very densely packed with sound. Yeah. So it'll take a little bit of time, not as much time as episode four, because that was like coming up with stuff from scratch to create a werewolf running through yeah. the streets of, of some town in, in England. But it'll still be pretty intense. So it'll take some time, but hopefully not too much longer. But yeah, we can we can absolutely promise, you know, for anybody worried about, you know, you know the length of time that it takes out, everything will be out. This, yes. this, there, you know, there's, there's absolutely... No, no doubt or worries whatsoever in this being complete. This story having a conclusion, not completing, yeah. Because we know that there there have been those projects that people get really into mm-hmm. and never finish, and those are the worst. Yes, yes they are. And I understand so. it, but it's 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 difficult as an audience member. Yeah, but so. we 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 have we have an ending. There is an ending to this story. Oh yeah, and we got we an will, end. Yeah, we will I've absolutely. Written, I've written know. episodes nine and ten, eleven and twelve have bullet points. It's all there. It's just we need the time to do it. Yes, <laughs> which we do. It's just in pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it will it will all it will all find its conclusion undoubtedly. Yeah. Oh, I'm living my best life right now. Yeah, I'm part of a Broad Strokes production. I oh, was thank you. able to do an interrogation scene as Narcissa, and now I'm on a talkback podcast. So. Yeah, that was fun I'm too. Happy. That was fun too because you were like about to get like the costume and the wig, and and you're like, I'm like, which one are you considering? Like maybe the pure blonde. I'm like, good, pure blonde, do it. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> do you do you want movie accurate or like, no, book no, no, no? We're, we're which book. I was so glad we've already seen the movie. Because I don't like the movie version of her hair. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? what is her hair? And it's like black on top and then blonde on bottom and it confuses me to no end. Probably so they I'm, did tests and it just was too much blonde. I think they screen. probably were like, he, she looks too much like Lucius's sister. Maybe. I think that's what they ended up doing. Yeah, but you wanted to differentiate them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right. I'm like, uh, okay, sure, but I never liked the choice that they made with her sure. hair. So when you were like, get the book version, I was like, yes. All right. Oh, book version. Cool. Yes. We'll be doing. We'll be doing more of those. Uh, we'll be doing more of those interrogations. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't, Every episode. I don't think we're going to be interrogating Peeves, but we'll, yeah, we'll see. <sighs> oh, we'll, we'll see what that we'll would have. be so we'll good. We'll see though. if we, yeah, we'll, we if Peeves make a, makes a you know another appearance in the future. We'll but see. That would be so I'll tell good. you what. If we get to like a thousand dollars a month on the Patreon, I will create a visual representation of Peeves with VFX. How or just that? put make a makeup. 
but I need him to look like a, a ghostly poltergeist. That's not. Um, that's that's, that's not. I know how to do that. That's not hard. Seen okay. Makeup? Well, I, I, I'm talking about like he's got to look see through and fly around. Oh well, then that's not. Hard. That's that. not hard that's at all. Not hard. I'll you just call that. a real poltergeist. Yeah, It'll be fine. It's fine. I know a few. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you met Nick? <laughs> have I met? Yes, I have actually. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Peace.